Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This idea of Kundalini, it's been a very important part of my ongoing awakening process, as it has been for many others. And he comes back with a piece of paper, and it's a mental health crisis hotline. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like... I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. It is the Kundalini once awakened that begins to propel and support this evolutionary process. If you're familiar with the energy channels in the body, there's the main channel, which is seems to be coinciding with the vagus nerve, Sushamna Nadi, up the spinal column. And then there's two that sort of uh, intertwine around, which is uh, Ida and Pingala, the other two Nadis. Stereotypically, the awakening of Kundalini moves up Sushamna and it goes to the head. There's different ways that it unfolds and each of those ways bring about different qualities. Our different gifts and faculties and potential comes to the forefront of our consciousness and we can use it uh, to fulfill our mission and purpose. This is something deeper on the more fundamental level. And that's what this awakening process is about. It's at the core of who we are. We come here to go through this process. This is completely inappropriate for me to say, and if I wasn't comfortable with you, I probably wouldn't say it. So thank you for the space you're holding. Adopting the identity of a spiritual teacher at a young age, bro. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any yeah. hang-ups around that, man? Like, what the f***? Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired Keep evolving. 
This week's episode is one on Kundalini awakening. Now, for me, Kundalini has always been a subject of taboo to some degree because in India, we believe that it is a really sacred force, really powerful force. And so we had today on Brent Spirit, who talks all about Kundalini awakening. His perspective that is that all awakening is actually Kundalini awakening. And to understand Kundalini rising and Kundalini Shakti particularly is very important because then you can actually facilitate your journey of awakening along. So if you've ever been curious about the processes of awakening, if Kundalini has meant something to you but you don't know really what it's about, um, this could be an incredible conversation for you to dive into. This was quite revelatory for me as a conversation, recognizing the different tools that we have towards enlightenment and awakening on our path. And diving deep into Brent's work, like really setting ourselves for an orientation of enlightenment and really why enlightenment is a goal that you know transcends all other goals really in this lifetime there's no beating around it. i don't know how to put it any simpler it's a really profound conversation for your soul your spirit your mind your body using the mind to go beyond the mind man such a powerful conversation for your awareness to shift into ultimately to ease and end suffering through the path of enlightenment and a special shout out goes out to Ekta of Ekta Whisperings. She's got her own podcast called Ekta Whisperings. Ekta was the one that actually clued me in, tuned me into Brent Spirit's work. And this podcast would not have existed without you. And that goes out to all of you on the Inspired Evolution audience and tribe. Hey guys, if you guys have recommendations for the podcast, obviously you guys are loving these episodes, you know, don't hesitate. Feel free to send in those recommendations to podcast at inspiredevolution.com. Ekta, thank you so much for this incredible conversation. Really appreciate you, Sister Bear, uh, facilitating and just coordinating and calling in and, well, manifesting this conversation between Brent and I. Appreciate you sincerely, Sister. Welcome back to the Inspired Evolution. And we have with us inspiring our evolution in the true essence of inspired for our spirit. We have with us Brent Spirit. Brent, how are you there, brother? fantastic thank you it's great to be here with you Amber. oh my god it is such a pleasure to have you here for those tuning in to brent for the first time you probably have tuned into him before because there is so much going on in well around awakening around spirit and we are all collective beings but he's a spiritual teacher intuitive supporting seek uh intuitive support seeker basically helping people on their journey of awakening um on their journey of enlightenment um, he says, helping people ascend into 5D heart-centered consciousness. To be honest, one of the big things that I find is there is so much mystery sh shrouding um, these processes that we have around awakening and real self-realization. And Brent does an incredible job of literally, if I can say so myself, on his channel. Please do go check it out. I'll link it in the show notes below. Turning himself inside out. <laughs> I would say, and being able to say, okay, this is somewhat what the process can look like and really does an incredible job of holding space for not there not being a one-size-fits-all formula for everybody and yet still being able to support people on their path and their journey towards awakening. Okay, I've turned that into a really long intro, but I really wanted to speak from the heart there. So <laughs> Welcome, Brent. Hopefully that aligns up to uh, to what you can see for yourself or maybe, yeah, is that okay? <laughs> 
yeah, it's good. A little bit of pressure, but we'll see what comes out. <laughs> Pardon me for the pressure. Then no I want to start there today a little bit around, because I think the term awakening does actually get thrown around a lot, especially in today's common vernacular. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, oh, you know, I, and I found myself even actually being, um, in that space, you know, I struggled with depression for about six years and then, you know, I, I loosely saw the moment when I got diagnosed and got through treatment, like that whole process was a bit of an awakening for me. And I, I remember using the term awakening to describe what I went through in that process. And I look back now and, you know, maybe now because of the podcast, I've been exposed to so many different spiritual teachers and influences um, that the term awakening has much greater depth um, to what it means to me. And, you know, for some people, they, they agree with that. Some people challenge that, you know, we're awakening moment to moment. Um, your awareness around what the term awakening means and yeah, to you specifically. And yeah, if you can describe awakening to us. For sure. Well, I like to look at the most fundamental level, the word awakening, it seems to be a verb. And to me, a verb is something ongoing. Right, so it's awakening, I'm awakening. I think it's important to discern between that verb and um, I guess the past tense, you could say, awakened, or the adjective, I should say, I am awakened, right? Uh, that seems to imply uh, sort of completion. And that can bring with it, of course, like you said, you know, people can challenge you, oh, how can you be awakened or, or, uh, um, I am awakened and you're not, and they're awakened or they're not. And there's all of these, you know, um, judgments and comparisons happening within the space. So I like to say awakening is an ongoing process. And uh, of course, there can be many degrees of it. It's just an ongoing unfolding. Uh, it's an ongoing evolution. And we know that even if, uh, you know, we, we make one evolutionary change, it's not, I've evolved that process continues. Now we're making the next and the next and the next. And so um, what I found on my journey, because uh, maybe like yourself, looking at all of these terms, I got, I got really caught up in trying to understand where I was on the journey. I knew I had gone through some shifts, some healing, some transformations. But was I awakened? I don't know. I felt a shift. Does this mean it's, that's it? maybe there'll be more. And if there's more, what does that mean? Am I double awakened? I didn't know. And so I then started looking at teachers and, um, you know, they would describe their experiences or some would teach, but withhold their experience. And so I would wonder, you know, what's, what's going on in their, in their world. Um, and then maybe I would see a great teacher and I would see them go through another shift in a few years and write a new book about some new shifts. And I thought, what's going on here? There's something happening that isn't an absolute final crossing point. It must be an ongoing process. And that's what I like to say awakening is. Uh, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. I love that, especially because at the heart of it, it then sort of untethers uh, the ego and the mind from it because the the finite nature of the goals of the mind and the ego <laughs> become um, immediately challenged and thrown back in the face of the ego and the mind because it's like, okay, it's a process, um, got to love the journey. And it's like, oh, but I want an outcome. <laughs> you know, it's an outcome. And it's like, yeah, it already um, becomes untethered. Um, thank you so much for describing that. And yeah, with the grace, as always, 
yeah, I really, I really love the way you describe things. From that point, I wanted to dive deeper into, because a lot of the conversation that you have and, you know, you've got the website now, kundaliniawareness.org, is about bringing awareness to kundalini. And so the term kundalini awakening also is now becoming more and more commonplace in the common vernacular. And I'll put my hand up and sort of say, you know, having Indian origins, there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's a very different awareness. I feel like what the East carries around the term kundalini and what the West carries as, uh, around the term kundalini. Can you describe what kundalini awakening means to you? Um, and then maybe we can dive a little bit further into your origin. Sorry, sorry, I'm trying to get the, um, yeah, the terms ironed out at the beginning, <laughs> but I think it's important for us to set the stage in some context. Of course, yeah. So this idea of kundalini, it's been a very important part of my ongoing awakening process, as it has been for many others. Um, I can describe it in, in simple terms. Of course, kundalini comes out of India. It's a Sanskrit term referring to uh, a force said to have been coiled three and a half times at the base of the human spine. And with spiritual practices, sometimes spontaneously as a result of uh, maybe uh, breath work, serious seeking, uh, maybe intense prayer, trauma, psychedelics, plant medicine, um, encountering a, a great powerful spiritual being, uh, maybe a guru, for example, this coiled snake can begin to become uncoiled and can begin to rise up the spine. Now, the idea of a snake, it's, of course, not a literal snake. Um, it's, it seems to be a symbol, an archetype that has uh, shown up all around. Uh, you know, all around the world, um, depicting a force that seems to propel our evolution along. And so we're, of course, here on the Inspired Evolution podcast with, with Amrit. And I like to say that human beings, though many don't know this, that we're actually like butterflies, we're actually like caterpillars, we're actually like tadpoles, where we can evolve into a new form uh, we can metamorphosize we can transform within this one particular lifetime so of course many people would think of evolution as you know unfolding over many many generations with uh, the you know the process of uh, natural selection and whatnot but I, I would say well actually we are like a caterpillar we just many of us don't know it and it is the kundalini once awakened that begins to propel and support this evolutionary process, uh, which leads to ongoing uh, awakening where we are able to abide in a, a meditative state of consciousness, very present, very alert. Some of our, our different gifts and faculties and potential comes to the forefront of our consciousness and we can use it uh, to fulfill our mission and purpose. Um, so this, in general, th the basic idea of kundalini. Now, around what I've shared, many experts will say, well, you should have used this term or it should have been this way or that way. And maybe it's a little bit more nuanced than that, and it completely is. And so you mentioned my website, uh, kundaliniawareness.org. The intention behind that website is to raise more awareness about this process and to get more conversations going. And on the website itself, I've defined kundalini in a similar way to what I just shared but underneath my very general overview, I have a list of definitions that seem to uh, vary greatly from some 
many different uh, authors and doctors and, and people that have lived this. So they're speaking about it in their own way, uh, with their own cultural, religious, or spiritual uh, a spin and take on things. Um, ultimately, it uh, is something that is becoming more and more common because more and more people are going through this process. And so uh, this is why the conversation is growing. And there's, of course, a lot of confusion around it because it's it's quite literally at the leading edge of our uh, of our evolution. And so we're entering into our uncharted territory here, really, as a collective species. Um, and so this is why it's just so exciting to me as well. It's just so exciting. Is it safe to say that going through the Kundalini awakening process is an enlightening process um can i draw parallels to that or is that too gross of a statement to make i think that's uh it's quite an accurate statement i would say of course this can be argued but in 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 my view uh when i look at any of the people who we may consider to be enlightened uh from past or present it seems that they underwent a process akin to kundalini awakening now it varies greatly for many people. Sorry, I, I, I just, uh, some people describe this very dramatic energy, snake-like explosion up their spine, and it brings about this very expansive state of consciousness and sort of that thing. And that we would say, of course, that's Kundalini. But then others have a very gentle, gradual, subtle process that doesn't have this huge explosion. And so both, we would say, is Kundalini process some are more intense and obvious, some are more subtle. And that's what makes it a little tricky. And that's actually why I think some people may say we don't need Kundalini to get enlightened. Um, it's because the traditions and the teachers and the, and the, and the general um, you know, figures from the paradigms that they're into maybe didn't have a huge dramatic unfolding. But um, it, it's, it's, it's there in Buddhism. Tibetan Buddhism in particular does have some... Um, some pretty direct conversations around it. Um, but it seems to be all over. If I can boil it down even further, it's an energetic transformation that coincides with the awakening process that takes place across the entire system head to toe. If I can boil it down even further, that's what I would say. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you about the awakening. Because, well, let's just ask it now so I don't lose it. Because... Um, a lot of the, when we start talking about awakening, we start talking about enlightenment, obviously there's a lot of philosophy in that space. And when we start talking about philosophy, it's great little, um, well, well, maybe it's more than this. <laughs> it is more than this. I'm going to sound rude, but I can see the, the little puppy mind of mine <laughs> just chewing on the bone, you know, and it loves to sort of gnaw on the nub. Um, and it can be such great fodder for the mind to chew on. But when I feel into the depths of your work, it, it is a consistent reminder that actually the invitation that it's it's beyond the mind and it's more than the mind. Um, parts of it are a body as a system as well. Can you describe some of that before I start putting words in your mouth incorrectly and making a fool of myself as well? <laughs> no, I think you, I think you got it right. The mind is a very powerful tool, uh, of course. However. I cannot use my mind to, to carry out some of the most basic functions of my body, growing hair, digesting food. I can't. Um, and those are very important and complex processes that the body seems to take care of. 
And so that seems to imply that there is an intelligence within us that isn't the mind, something a little bit more subtle than that. And uh, for the record, I'm discerning between mind and brain. So some would say the brain is what carries out digestion and whatnot. But we could argue that as well. It seems that there's more signals being sent from the body to the brain than the brain to the body across uh, the vagus nerve. And so the body seems to have its own uh, intelligence. And so what I say is that it is that intelligence that digests food, heals cuts, grows hair, puts an individual through puberty, uh, you know, develops the fetus into a full-blown baby in, uh, in, in a pregnant person. It's that same intelligence that then steps into an, a, a new phase, which facilitates the, the evolutionary process of awakening and moving towards enlightenment. And that's what we may call kundalini awakening. So kundalini, some would say it's, it's always active in us. In its coiled up dormant state, it just takes care of the basic mundane processes of the body, digestion, food, etc. But when it's awakened, then it says, oh, now it's time. Let's, let's step it up. It's kind of like an adolescent entering to puberty. The body says, all right, now it's time. Let's, let's start making some changes. So I also like to say that Kundalini awakening process is very similar to puberty. Mm. When you're describing it that way, some part of me... You know, you're saying that there's an intelligence that's always present with us. Is it not too dissimilar to life force energy, just the ever-present life force energy, or am I drawing parallels which shouldn't be drawn? No, I think that's a, that's a very valid parallel, life force energy. So we refer to sometimes uh, kundalini as a force uh, that, I think I was using that wording earlier, a force that propels the evolution of our of our individuality forward. Um Energy is also uh, not a bad term at all. I, I use it often, but I have heard uh, some people say, actually, hey, careful. It's not exactly an energy. It's as if it's a separate energy from everything else. So if we look at the full term out of yoga, it's, it's kundalini shakti, actually. It's what they refer to it as, kundalini shakti. And so shakti is spiritual force. It is uh, the, the, the energetic power of consciousness and shakti isn't limited to just our body it's the entire world is shakti actually um of course we can see it especially in nature that's shakti um but it's also in inanimate objects as well it's all there is really it's the dance of consciousness but when it's coiled up and and concentrated with a very specific purpose in the base of a human spine then we put that prefix and we say it's kundalini shakti so yes, it absolutely is life force energy. Hey, you're Inspired Tribe. I want to take a quick sec. I wanted to share something today with you that is really dear to my heart. And it's actually what keeps the entire ecosystem around the Inspired Evolution thriving, my one-on-one -on -one coaching. So it's basically coaching that helps you live a spiritually aligned life. I coach people from all different types of walks of life. That These people are leaders and they're looking to have an incredible spiritual impact in lives that they're leading for themselves and then also lead in alignment to their values. Now you don't have to take my word for it. Here's a few people that have also transformed through my coaching and here's what they have to say. Amrit is a fantastic coach. In a few sessions, he got to a depth that I'd only experienced before working with certain medicines. And he's gone through a lot of the struggles that you're probably facing. Then my corporate banking job wasn't really doing it. You feel like you're not making progress towards your goals. And Amrit's been a really strong, supportive figure in my journey. I'm more 
in control of myself. I'm kinder to myself. I actually have that vision and a purpose. I do feel like I'm a better version of myself already. Amazing energy. He was easy to talk to, which made me easy to trust him. Working with Emirates at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and really I was bouncing out of bed. Whenever I get off the calls with Emirates, best money we've ever spent. <laughs> I would not recommend him because I don't want everyone to know about him and then I won't be able to book him. If he gets too busy, I won't get my turn. I would say absolutely. There's no way you can work with Amrit for a period of time without being transformed. So if you're considering him as a coach, do not hesitate because you won't be disappointed. As you guys can see, there's a lot of people all over the world from all these different corners experiencing incredible transformations. I don't think if I can say humbly myself that there is anything quite like this somewhere else online. Most people that you know have channels that you know grow and grow and grow don't really focus on one-to-one -one offerings. I have just found that it is the most profound space where you can bring yourself in a private container and really just share what's going on for yourself. And if you want to book in for that call with me, touch base, it's www amrit.coach forward slash life. That's www.amrit.coach forward slash L-I-F-E. There is a link in the show notes below to book in that call. And yeah, if you want to take your journey further, if you want to dive in deeper and you really want to live a spiritually aligned life, if it's for you, please do check it out. And without too much further ado, once again, for your spirit, for yourself, today's podcast. Okay. So from that point, having been on the podcast for quite some time, the Inspired Evolution journey, I often see that people create um, from a really wholesome space and become somewhat notorious in their spaces. I should say great, not notorious, <laughs> um, become great in their space um, when they're sort of scratching the itch that, you know, the hero's journey is a common story arc, I guess, that most beings live out and, you know, just a, like tuning into how much your work is dedicated to helping people become more aware of the process, have more dialogue around this sort of stuff. I'm imagining, and maybe I'm foolishly imagining that, you know, when you were going through your processes, that there probably wasn't the support that you were hoping was there. Is that too drastic um, an assumption for me to make? And if so, can you describe your some of your processes because I've felt into some of them but yeah you know it's not like we said awakening is an ongoing process can you describe a little bit around your own journey for us yeah yeah for sure it was definitely uh the hero's journey um when I discovered the hero's journey I said oh my god this this map this is this makes so much sense and what I've understood if I could go back to this idea of awakening be ongoing uh, I'm sure you and your listeners are aware that, you know, they depict the hero's journey as a circle. I see it actually as a spiral. So we just keep going round and round and round and keep going. And so it's an ongoing process, the hero's journey. Um, and so this began for me in the most obvious way, looking back in hindsight at 15, I think we have very similar stories. I was, uh, you know, depressed and anxious and, at that point, I had completely turned away from any sort of woo-woo stuff, you could say, religion, spirituality. That was all, to me at that time, just complete nonsense. Conveniently, I was also depressed and anxious at the time with no you know, spiritual support system, you could say. But then I learned, of course, there's you know, meditation and mindfulness through, like you, Eckhart Tolle's work. So 
that work really opened me up to a whole new world uh, that began my awakening process, you could say. I sat to meditate in, in, in uh, stillness for the first time after having practiced Eckhart's work about, you know, being mindful, being present throughout our day. I thought, let me try this thing, you know, sitting quietly. And so I sat down and suddenly, as soon as I turned inward, my spine began to just move and my neck was going like this and like that. And it was happening involuntarily. And I, I really couldn't tell you what it was. I just thought, well, something is like taking control of my body. And I opened my eyes and it stopped. And I said, okay, that's not for me. I don't know what that was. Uh, meditation, not for me. And it was at the time, not notable. I, I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't Google it. I didn't, it was just like this thing that happened. And I just went on about my life. That was 15. So of course, the practices still were so important to me of, of practicing active meditations and mindfulness throughout my day and whatnot. So that really uh, um, brought me out of depression, brought me out of anxiety. And I came to, of course, learn about the East and Buddhism and Hinduism and yoga and how it's all based around this. And then, of course, you come to find uh, it's there in the West, too, in Christianity, uh, in mystical Judaism, and, and even in Islam and Sufism. It's all there. So I thought, whoa, they're talking about presence, awareness consciousness of these expansive states of being and i thought i've this is all i'm going to do for the rest of my life this is my life is this path relationships work anything else it will all fall under this umbrella of this path so that was for the the first few years of my journey in my teenage years um over time and i'm happy to get into it if there's any specific questions you have but over time this awakened this awakening energy of now we understand was kundalini that was actually moving my spine began to become more and more intense and in fact after i attended my first meditation retreat uh which was a 10-day vipassana retreat with uh, goenka about six months later there was this huge inpouring of energy into my head from above that followed a very sincere practice of self-inquiry. I was asking questions like, who am I? What is true? What is the nature of reality? Very much these, these psycho psychological, cerebral, spiritual practices. And, and at one moment, it was like my head opened up and poosh, this, this huge rush of energy came into my head. And it was like my awareness expanded to the ends of the universe and I could witness my thoughts in my mind. And I thought, I'm looking at this mind. And I tried to look for me, Brent. And there was no Brent there. There was just an empty space. And a thought would arise. And then that thought would disappear. And then another thought. And then that would disappear. And that was all that was happening in the mind. And that's all that was ever happening. And that's all that will ever happen. And I thought, there's no Brent there. There's just empty space and one thought arising one at a time. So this was, of course, now looking back, I can say this was the realization of no self. At the time, it was interesting. And I thought, okay, this is spiritual. This is what they're talking about in, in you know, Buddhism and then some Neo-Advaita non-duality circles. But then I looked around at the world and suddenly the world was the same way. It was just, it was like an illusion. It didn't exist. It was just 
particles arising and passing away. And so this was very spooky for me. Um, and I looked at my parents and I thought, well, if I if there's no Brent, well, of course, there's nobody there either. They have the same mind as me. It's just a thought arising and passing away. This was horrifying. But then I started to read some of the uh, um, Advaita Vedanta texts. I started to read Zen Buddhism and said, well, this is what they're all talking about. So this must be a very clear, significant awakening experience I'm having. But it felt very uncomfortable because I didn't know how to operate in this, in this space. So I'll pause here and just say that though earlier on I did describe Kundalini as being coiled at the base of the spine, rising upwards in the spinal column, don't mean to throw your audience for a loop, but it can also happen as an inpouring of energy, which some would refer to as a top-down awakening. Sometimes we see in Christianity, there's these ideas of the Holy Spirit descended upon me. The grace of God came over me from above. And so just to, to clear up any questions about up or down, I like to say this is God, this is the divine, and the divine can move in any direction, not just, up, not just upwards, downwards, left, right. The divine can move in all directions. And so that was the first sort of uh, major awakening experience that I had. And to your question, you know, about support, well, I didn't know who to turn to because I didn't know how to express this. Um, the people that were talking about this online seemed to just be very cold about it and say, yeah, this is all it is. This is not as emptiness. There's no one. There's nobody here. It's all there is is awareness. And I thought, okay, I can see that. But like, I, I feel like I'm when I'm talking to somebody that I care about, it's like I'm talking to them from a thousand miles away. It's just this very distant place. And so uh, I went to, um, I tried to talk to everybody I could talk to, yoga teachers. I had a Buddhist studies professor. I said, look, I'm experiencing what I believe to be no self, what you were talking about in the lecture. And she says, I can't help you with this. I, I just teach it. I, I don't actually practice. And so I was like, oh my God, I don't know who to talk to because this is far out stuff. Um, and so for the next little while, I, I, I eventually was able to sort of return back into my body because this awakening opened up my head so far, it was like I left my body. It was like I was floating above it. Eventually, I began to return back into my body and that's when, like we were describing earlier, the rest of this awakening process began to take place from the rest, uh, from my feet upwards now, which brought a lot of emotional uh, purification and purging as well. And you've been very gracious in describing your emotional processes at that point on um, in some videos on your channel as well. And yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that. It, it's interesting because you were going through these processes and I guess it must have been quite disconcerting. Like at some point, I'm not sure if you felt like you were going crazy or not um, and what was going on in there. Like was there just full trust in the process um, or did you feel – because it, like it sounds like the processes were quite alien and you were feeling alienated. Um, human beings' as experience is meant to be shared somewhat, right? We are all one in this whole – yeah, did you, your relationship with your mind at the time? Yeah, so this was 
in 2012, which though these conversations were being had back then, they weren't being had as much and openly as they are now. So even back then, um, it was was not so easy to find information. On top of that, it was so foreign and unusual, and it's nothing like you could have ever imagined. Even if you've read about it, even if you have a guide with you, you have an experience like that, you will 100% say, wow, this is not what I thought it would be. Um, and so I did think that I was going crazy, actually. And so there were some great blessings from the universe, I would say, that's helped me to develop trust, like you were asking about. So in this course I was taking, which was an intro to Buddhism in my uh, undergrad, I didn't do any of the readings because I was really just committed about this spiritual path, uh, my own practice. I was reading my own books. In fact, like I said, it was 2012. I quite literally thought the world was going to end on December 21st. And I thought the only chance I have to uh, uh, survive or whatever was if I could just make some spiritual transformations very quickly the end of so the i was all calendar. in on that stuff yeah yeah the end of the mind calendar marked of course like a a shift in our accelerated awakening but nobody really could say what exactly was going to happen so i thought the world might end i don't know why this idea really took me uh like really had a grip on me but anyway i wasn't doing any of the readings in this course and i'm sitting there in this dreamlike state just total emptiness and i just opened the textbook to a random page and I see this brief description of something that they describe as Zen sickness. And so they just say that Zen sickness also referred to as emptiness sickness. Sometimes monks that have been meditating very intensely experience this uh, uh, experience where they, you know, um, feel like they're trapped in emptiness, stuck in the void. There was a Zen master by the name of Hakuin, he he actually wrote uh, about his experiences, and he describes being stuck in the ice cave of emptiness. It's a very cold type of experience, and I thought this is exactly what I'm going through. This is what I'm experiencing, and so finding that in the book randomly that I never read, never had any intention of reading, I just opened to this page. I said, "Okay, something is guiding me here. This is pretty interesting synchronicity or something." So I said, okay, the next experience that I had was that, that I wasn't crazy was I went to a Zen center in Toronto and I remember riding the bus there and just being completely out of my body, really freaked out. I arrive at the Zen center. I don't know what their hours are. I really have no idea what they're about, but I just thought Zen sickness, Zen center, hopefully somebody there can help me. I knock on the door and I guess it's a member of the community, but not a teacher, not a Zen master. And I say, look, man, I think I'm dreaming. I don't know what's happening. I was meditating and this started happening to me. I need some help. Is there somebody I could talk to? And he says, well, you know, the teacher doesn't just accept anybody off the street to come and talk to them. You know, you have to be part of our community and all that sort of stuff. And I said, okay, that I understand. And then he says, give me one second. And he comes back with a piece of paper and it's a mental health crisis hotline. And I'm looking at this. And I'm like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. This is a spiritual process. I just have to find the right people. And maybe they will continue to find me. The, the messages, the words, the books, whatever will find me. Like how that 
how I came across the term Zen sickness. And so like that, I, I came across great teachers like Shin Zen Young speaking about, uh, you know, Zen sickness, also called depersonalization, derealization. It seems very similar, if not the same thing, um, those experiences that some people have. Um, and so that's how I began to develop trust that I was taking care of that small little thing. And then of course it just unraveled. And now my trust is so deep. I, you know, I have a thousand different stories of how I'm taken care of, um, by the universe. And so that just continued to unfold. Yeah. I just wanted to take a moment cause we're at a unique opportunity. Thank you so much for sharing that brother. We Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You <clears throat> described that moment where you, like you're looking at the mental health and you just, there's a deep knowing that you're not, you know, you haven't lost the plot, you're going through a spiritual process. And, you know, oftentimes in spiritual circles we talk about intuition and I think it's really profound and it's one of my favourite spaces to dive into actually in conversation and actually like relate to and from is a, is an intuitive space. And I don't, and I'm still looking for the terminology, but I think we're at a juncture right now in this conversation where we can shine a light on it. Um, this deep knowing it's deeper than intuition. And we sense many of us carry this. Um, and I think it's, it's valuable to everybody in some degrees. Maybe I'm being, you know, fat fingered when I sort of use that approach. So I'm conscious about my terminology, but you know, I, get people rocking up to coaching and they go, I just, I know I'm made for more. And it's like, yeah, but your life's great on the outside. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like what, 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 why disrupt it? What's, there's a deep inner knowing. Um, and in that moment, it seemed like, you know, there's a deep inner knowing, knowing that, Hey, what I'm going through is on my path. It's not like veered me off. The, the quality and the texture of that deep knowing is hard to really describe, but we're at a juncture where we can sort of just shine a little bit of a light on it. And I think yourself having been doing this work for quite some time, I guess, just an opportunity for us to riff on it in conversation like your relationship with what i'm alluding to touch wood and your awareness of it yeah 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 i think i can use the uh comparison of women who are pregnant and going through childbirth they have a deep knowing of how to go through that process there may be some complications along the way they may need assistance and there's no harm in seeking assistance and conversing about it. But deep down, we hear all the time of women having babies in the car alone at home and, and it, they just push through and make it through because there's this deep wisdom that 
knows how to carry out these very primal processes. And I think this evolutionary process of awakening is like childbirth, like puberty. We don't need to know anything intellectual about it. It's this deeper knowing that is, uh, it's, it's, it's in our software, it's in our, our, our hardware, it's written and coded into our DNA. And so there are great books and we can have the conversations about it. But like you said, some people in their DNA coded is the archetypes. I know I'm meant to do something more. I'm meant to be an artist. I'm meant to be a warrior. I'm meant to be of service, meant to be a parent. And they know that. And it's not even intuitive because intuitive, I think, is even more surface level. This is something deeper on the more fundamental level. And that's what this awakening process is about. It's at the core of who we are. We come here to go through this process. Um, whether we all get to this point or not, of course, not everybody, but it's there. And, and if you if it gets started, there's something that's going to drive it. And I like to say, of course, that intelligence is the Kundalini Shakti, but we can talk about it in so many different ways, of course. Because that was going to be one of my questions today um, was not so much is this for everybody, um, but is it available to everybody in your opinion? Yeah, I think it is available to everybody. Um, of course, not everybody will come to a point where they're interested or ready or drawn to this type of material or ripe enough for that energy to begin to move through the system. Um, but it's not limited just to uh, you know Indian people that do yoga. It's, it's universal and human. And so we see it across the entire world throughout history. The Indians and the yogis have done a great job of, of articulating it quite well, but we see it in, in Buddhism in some more um, lesser known, less obvious ways. It's there. Um, the Buddhists speak of a, 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 a practice called Tumo, uh, which is the cultivation of heat in the body. It seems very similar to the Kundalini process uh, in, in my view. Um, of course, Christians speak of the Holy Spirit this is what they're talking about. Um, it, it's all over. Um, and so it's not limited just to one particular uh, group of people. Um, and I see it across the board. I, I've seen people that, you know, are saintly people that do incredible just serving and giving other giving and they have an awakening. And I see people who would say, man, I have no idea. I don't know anything about this. I'm I'm a, an addict. I'm I'm done bad things. Why is this happening to me? It's just happening all over the place to people because certain people are coming to a point in their journey where it's just time, and uh, that point looks different for everybody. For some people, um, it it, uh, it doesn't get triggered through spiritual practice. It's just it's just their time, and it just happens to them. And it can be, of course, uh, you know, make them feel like they're going crazy for sure. Is it something that you think that um, some people will experience, like are actually um, meant to experience in this particular lifetime and other people aren't? I guess the question is loosely based around destiny, which is <laughs> such a big conversation. Um, but, yeah, just loosely just asking that question, I guess, um, without it being such a heavy-hitting one. No, I, I love that question, and I know it's a, it's a question that, uh, you know, you, you've brought up uh, with other conversations in my view, if I go back to this experience I had when I described no self, 
just awareness with thoughts arising one at a time. The most fundamental level, there's no buddy there to control anything. It's all happening on its own. This is all destiny unfolding. And so I go, I go to that place of no self in our conversation here just because it feels right. But that's not a place that I teach from often. Um, people come to me and say, Brent, I'm hurting. I say, let's, let's sit with that pain and let's look at it. I don't say, hey, there's, no, there's nobody there to hurt. So what are you talking about? Just to, as a caveat to that point. But in the higher perspective, I see that this is a, a very perfectly orchestrated divine unfolding carrying itself out and it's done so masterfully that we get to even pretend that we are in control and have that experience but if we observe there's a lot of reason to consider that there's something else running the show i mean synchronicity implies that the idea of no self implies that i can't really control much in my body digesting food etc i like to say that um I can for I can consciously inhale and exhale. I can do that a few times. Eventually, my will will get tired. I'll give up, and the breathing will continue on its own. So I have a little bit of will, but it's very limited and not even necessary. Um, but to that point, and and I will address the, your general question there. I know destiny free will. I love this conversation. But um, to that point, like I like to say, if if a person is operating as if they have free will and, and a separate sense of self and an ego and a, by all means operate from that place, you must. But if you're beginning to enter into these stage, stages of the journey where the lines get blurred between what's me and what's the world and what's me and what's the universe and God and, and that begins to blur and you can sort of enter the flow now and then and, and just let destiny handle things and that's surrender. But are some people destined to go through Kundalini awakening, spiritual awakening? Uh, I think so. Yes, some people they are, and, and they can't escape it. Um, you could be an atheist. You can be a terrible person. You can be whatever. Not that atheists are terrible people. Two separate things there. But you don't have to be a saint and a spiritual person that prays and stuff. It can happen to you if it's just part of what's uh, you know you could say written in in your in your fate. And so um, if it's not, there's nothing that's going to make it happen either. And uh, what I found, generally speaking, is those that are in this vicinity, it's like a vortex. It's just calling them in. And, and once you get even a little bit in touch with this idea of awakening and kundalini, it's only time. It's only time. It will, it will consume you in your life, um, whether you want it to or not. And so, uh, And if it's not in your destiny, you'll hear these terms and you'll scroll away. You'll ignore it. It'll go in one ear and out the other. Yeah, I'm conscious um, that I've got a smile on my face. <laughs> it's like you're describing these deep processes. And the part of me that's laughing is actually laughing at the grips of my own mind <laughs> as it's listening to you speak of no mind. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, uh, I get to laugh at myself. So part of me, <laughs> if, my, um, if my facial expressions are a bit inappropriate. Um, at what point did you recognize, um, and maybe you can describe that, you know, this this journey that, because I think a lot of us are, you know, operating from when we are in the space of the mind and maybe this is going backwards a few steps, um, that there are all these material goals to achieve and things to have and even people to be. Um, and yourself being a young man, de-identifying from success in some ways and then 
reorienting yourself towards oh, enlightenment being a goal. Um, yeah, can you step us through that a little bit? Like why would enlightenment be, um, I don't want to, well, I do actually kind of want to make this statement, but I don't want to sound like that. Um, enlightenment being the only worthy goal <laughs> to work towards in some ways. Can you describe that? <laughs> yeah, so um, I think we have to come to a point on our journey if if we were going to use the word enlightenment, I think uh, we can, we can look at the Buddhist paradigm a little bit here. Um, we have to come to a point in our journey where we do recognize suffering, and um, once you see suffering for what it is, and that life is suffering, everything else just becomes like it's just so obvious that it's just not important. Um, and the thing is that for most people, they just are fortunate or unfortunate, however you'd like to look at it to not see the truth that life is suffering, that even getting what you want will bring suffering, right? Um, for those who see that, I think that sparks uh, the inevitable, which is, well, I have to figure out how to uh, no longer experience the suffering. And so chasing success and whatnot, though important and part of our purpose and being grounded, it's what we're here to do in some respects, the idea that it will fulfill us, that's just like it's completely seen as, as a scam. And so all that's left is the path. All that's left is the path. Um, should everybody move towards that? I don't think so. I think we're all on our journeys and some people are meant to, uh, to explore. Uh, and when they come to the point where they're done exploring, then they'll maybe see like, okay, you know, um, none of this is really going to fulfill me totally. So now they may begin uh, to move inwards, but um, I, I don't think it's something to you know force upon everyone. It's just for those who see what's really going on here, and that you know not getting what you want makes you suffer, getting what you want makes you suffer because it's short lived. It'll leave. Well, what's left then? Well, we have to move towards uh, the awakening process. Yeah, and this becomes really interesting because at this point, and I'm sorry to project on you so hard, but it sounds like this is completely inappropriate for me to say, and if I wasn't comfortable with you, I probably wouldn't say it. So thank you for the space you're holding. Um, but it sounds like because so much of what you've described from the Buddhist perspective, like suffering is living, then it also sounds like with the other awareness that you're carrying, having transcended, you know, like transcended is very absolute, like absolute, but having transcended some more, let's just articulate it softer, some of the suffering, it, it there's almost this, maybe it's just my ego that's confronted by it and the mind, which then goes, it feels somewhat dead because so much of living is attached to suffering in some ways, right? Touch wood. Um, and that can be quite confronting uh, for the mind to face. And yeah, just can you speak to that? Can you help unpick that a little bit? Because I know from your work you've described and maybe I'm going two questions in too fast, but, you know, the layers that are available um, when you do go a little bit further. Sorry, I almost asked two questions. Yeah, about. no, that, that's great. They, they coincide and, and they give me a, an idea of how I can speak about it. When we speak of layers, we can think of, of the chakra system. And so there are, of course, we know that the, uh, the three, you could say worldly chakras, the root chakra has to do with survival, sacral chakra has to do with reproduction, uh, solar plexus, the will to accomplish these things. Um, as we move up the spinal column in a sort of 
course, uh, over generalized way. That's the journey of the the the, uh, the the spiritual the person on the spiritual path is moving up the, the spinal column towards the higher energy centers. Um, it's it's not that the uh, the worldly purpose becomes dead. It's just that something new becomes alive, and so we still handle the worldly stuff. It's just that we see this is not truly fulfilling and it never was meant to be. It never was meant to be. That's what dies is the belief that this was meant to be fulfilling. We see it never was. Of course, we see this like um, there's more to us here. I didn't just come like like an animal to just survive, to find a cave, make myself comfortable and just, you know, conserve as much energy as possible. I didn't come here to do that. I didn't just come here to have sex. In the moment, it may feel like it's, you know, what we came here to do you know, give it some time. And then, you know, you want to get out in the world and do other things. Um, and so if we see, okay, of course, that can't be the whole thing. So as we move higher and higher into the, the, the energy centers, we start to come towards, of course, the Sahasara, seventh chakra, crown chakra, this is God, um, the divine, and, and we move there. And we see that this, of course, is is very much alive. It's all the life that we see. And so it's not that, um you know, it becomes dead and then there's just death. I think it, you could say it becomes dead, but then something else comes alive out of that space. Thank you so much for articulating that. Um, yeah, that's really, really helpful. One of the questions I've got, and this bugs me no end. <laughs> Sorry for being, throwing all my annoying annoyance at you <laughs> in one fell podcast swoop. <laughs> But the, the connotations of, you know, you described earlier in your journey that, you know, you were reading these Advaita Vedantic text, uh, texts um, that we got it out of my mouth um, and, you know, going along this journey to better understand the nature of the mind. And a lot of what you're describing to me humbly, you know, I see it as going beyond the mind and I see this sort of paradoxical loop. And now I guess there's been enough on the inspired evolution where I, kind of embrace the paradoxes now because I see, oh, the paradoxes exist because I'm coming from the mind and reality exists in many paradoxical ways and, you know, it's it's great and it's perfect and I'm probably reaching a frontier on my mind which it can't cross and maybe crack open into some wisdom beyond the intellect or open into spirit. And But one of the paradoxes, you know, right here, if you join me at this frontier um, just for the moment, which is, um, yeah, trying to use the mind to understand some of these concepts as we're doing even in this conversation right now to then tip beyond the mind, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's this real, it's this real, what got me here surely won't get me there, but it's all I've got. And so I'm using it to get me there. Can you describe the sort of the paradox between it being the path, but also it being completely futile in the same breath? For sure. Yeah. So, um, you're right. In some respects, it's all we've got and it's what we have to use. And that's why there are so many great uh, spiritual texts that we are meant to uh, you know, read and process intellectually. You could argue that there's a, an underlying energetic transmission in some of those texts as well, but we won't go there right now. But yeah, we can look at these texts and, and make sense of some of the things that we're experiencing on the mental level. And eventually, the idea is that we develop an intellectual understanding about those concepts. And then when the time is right, it shifts from intellectual understanding to spiritual realization, um, which, which happens on the experiential level, not the intellectual level. 
Um, and so uh, I think Ramana Maharshi, he had this question, self-inquiry. The question is, who am I? And he describes that question as a tool similar to using a branch to stoke a fire. Eventually, you throw that branch into the fire as well. So even the mind is used to inquire into the nature of mind, and then eventually the mind is also thrown into that fire and, and dissolved. Uh, way back when this was happening to me, I had a, a very sort of interesting metaphor of this where I was eating at uh, a restaurant. Uh, I was in a university uh, restaurant. So they gave us like uh, porcelain plates and then plastic cutlery. And so I was, you know, scraping the scraps of my food into the garbage with the plastic cutlery. And then when I was done, I threw the plastic fork in the garbage as well. And I thought, oh, that's the same thing. And so just another interesting metaphor of how we use the mind to also go beyond the mind. Eventually, the mind also gets blasted open uh, into a state of no mind. Now, this can also happen in other ways as well as a result of uh, just allowing that kundalini energy to move through the body. Eventually, it makes its way into the head. And many people describe just spontaneously without engaging in a practice like I did, self-inquiry, or engaging in a sort of maybe like a koan, like Zen Buddhism. Instead of doing that, they just suddenly have this sort of realization of like, I don't know, where's the ego? It's just gone. It never was there. And they're like examining the, the reality of the situation with new lens, with new eyes. And um, that's another way that it can happen. When the energy makes its way into the head and starts to sort of uh, pro uh, uh, transform the way that we, uh, you know, um, have have a, our cognitive experience of the world and ourselves. That also goes through a shift as a result of this energy. I have this really trippy awareness to some degree that human beings are much more like lemmings than we give ourselves credit for, um, and that we're walking around as antenna. Um, and, you know, we're basically primed a certain way, whether we're watching heaps of news or whether we're, you know, um, expressing heaps of gratitude. We we sort of prime the antenna a certain way to pick up certain channels that are in the ether and the frequencies around us, and that influences our thoughts a lot more than we give it credit for. Um, it's just my awareness around certain things. Not everybody has to buy into that. But then in this particular juncture where we are in this conversation, is it safe to sort of say the using the mind to go beyond the mind? I love the metaphor of throwing the stick back in, you throwing your plastic cutlery back in the bin as well. Um, is it also a can, would you like, am I on the right path potentially believing that somewhat it is a case of priming as well, priming the being a certain way to be ready for the, for the work? Like, could you see it that way? Um, or is it not quite like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there is a degree of, of priming ourselves for it, though not everybody needs to be primed to the same degree. So some people, they can have just a, 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 you know, they may just ask, who am I this one time? And it, whoa, like they have this realization. Whereas other people, they have to commit to it with a great intensity. Um, it all depends on, on, you know, where they're at. Sometimes they're just at the right place at the right time for that realization to come in. Um, and so we, we unfortunately can't rely on 
a spontaneous awakening. If you're aware of the path, you have to walk it. Um, and we can't say, well, my friend had a spontaneous awakening. Maybe that'll happen to me, so I won't do anything about it. I think once you're aware of the path and what this is about, you just naturally start practicing. And that's what's priming the system, priming the mind, the body for all of this to take place. I guess at this particular juncture, I'd be remiss to not ask what some of the um, basic everyday practices are that you recommend people to, yeah, just start to invite themselves to be primed. Um, just in case some of us are thinking sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> so, yeah, just <laughs> an opportunity to get um, your insights on what you believe can be supportive on the path. For sure. Yeah, so in my work, because I tend to uh, attract people that are going through very challenging spiritual awakening processes with a lot of very active kundalini, uh, sort of explosions of kundalini that bring up a lot of emotions, a lot of weird, trippy uh, sort of psychic phenomena, all that kind of stuff. My message to everybody, but in particular, those going through challenging awakenings is to focus on self-care in the most basic ways that the most grounded worldly people would say. So rather than focusing on, you know, which combination of crystals and all this kind of stuff, it's just eating well, moving the body, resting well, um, socializing, catching up with friends, and not talking about super far out spiritual stuff. That's what I would say to those going through the really extreme uh, awakening processes. And those are very spiritual practices, believe it or not. Self-care, eating well, going for walks, socializing, resting. Very spiritual. They can be, of course. Um, beyond that, um, meditation. I'm sure you know. I, I know you know. It's just life-changing. Um, even for those not interested in awakening, it will just enhance every every dimension of life gets enhanced. Um, and this is measurable. Science has proven it. Everybody should be practicing meditation to some degree or another. Um, I don't force that on people because I know it's it's difficult. It's been difficult for me uh, to commit. But of course, it's can't argue it anymore. Everybody should meditate. Not intensely, not saying three, four hours a day, but just you know 10 minutes a day. It makes a big difference in itself. That um, and then I think hanging out with people that have come to certain points on this on the path that you would like to also come to yourself. So when I say hanging out, I mean like you know spending time with you on your podcast, uh, listening, reading books, connecting with those friends. We know it's common knowledge. You're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Yada yada, right? So just being in the vicinity of these people. What's interesting is, of course, the conversations are so meaningful, so meaningful, but there's an energetic component to this as well that happens uh, beyond the words. It's the transmission of presence, like, you know, Tolle would say, Eckhart Tolle would say, the transmission is happening and it's happening between the words. It's happening when you read a text that's really supercharged and written by somebody in a very high place, you read it and if you're sensitive, you, you can pick up on it. And so what I did on my path was I basically said, I'm not going to listen to anybody who doesn't have what I'm looking for. Uh, and so before exploring any of their work or reading any of their books, I did a little bit of uh, investigation. How far are they on their path? What level are they speaking from? I just tried to discern this. And I found that there were some people who were so advanced and this was great. And then there were other people who were like pundits. They were like intellectuals. And they were great at maybe deciphering the 
nuances of the Sanskrit language and translating it, but they didn't have any personal direct experience. So those people I weeded out. People that had comments about the spiritual path that never really practiced meditation, never had any deep experiences about it, I tuned them out. I didn't care who they were, how smart they were. I just tuned them out. And I only hung out with people that were um, on the path. And that made all the difference because all the noise then disappeared. And it was just like I was steeped in people walking this path. And that made a very big difference for the intellect, uh, but also energetically as well. And I imagine also your belief systems getting rewired, even just in the 3D as you're spending time, um, the mind, yeah, just even just your system believing what's possible, right, reshapes so much of that. And I love that because we've come to this juncture in the conversation where, yes, you know, meditation is this incredible practice, but also what you've described as this pillar of self-inquiry within the self, you know, who am I, and carrying this self-inquiry. And I, I will ask just one more question in, in regards to, to that, but then also, you know, in the external world, you know, having these, um, yeah, uh, inspiration points, role models, however you want to describe it, people that inspire you on your path, inspired evolution, obviously, a little bit that way, but people that inspire you on your path to then, you know, have that nonverbal transmission as well. Um, but then influences so much within your system and then also the work within your system. Hey, you're Inspired Tribe. I want to take a quick sec. I wanted to share something today with you that is really dear to my heart. And it's actually what keeps the entire ecosystem around the Inspired Evolution thriving my one-on-one coaching. So it's basically coaching that helps you live a spiritually aligned life. I coach people from all different types of walks of life. That These people are leaders and they're looking to have an incredible spiritual impact in the lives that they're leading for themselves and then also lead in alignment to their values. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. Here's a few people that have also transformed through my coaching and here's what they have to say. Amrit is a fantastic coach. In a few sessions, he got to a depth that I'd only experienced before working with certain medicines. And He's gone through a lot of the struggles that you're probably facing. Then my corporate banking job wasn't really doing it. You feel like you're not making progress towards your goals. And Amrit's been a really strong, supportive figure in my journey. I'm more in control of myself. I'm kinder to myself. I actually have that vision and a purpose. I do feel like I'm a better version of myself already. Amazing energy. He was easy to talk to, which made me easy to trust him. Working with Emirate at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and really I was bouncing out of bed. Whenever I get off the calls with Emirate, best money we've ever spent. <laughs> I would not recommend him because I don't want everyone to know about him and then I won't be able to book him. If he gets too busy, I won't get my turn. I would say absolutely. There's no way you can work with Amrit for a period of time without being transformed. So if you're considering him as a coach, do not hesitate because you won't be disappointed. As you guys can see, there's a lot of people all over the world from all these different corners experiencing incredible transformations. I don't think, if I can say humbly myself, that there is anything quite like this somewhere else online. Most people that you know have channels that you know grow and grow and grow don't really focus on one-to-one -one offerings. I have just found that it is the most profound space where you can bring yourself in a private container and really just share what's going on for yourself. And if you want to book in for that call with me, touch base, it's www amrit.coach forward slash life that's www.amrit.coach forward slash l-i-f-e there is a link in the show notes below to book in that call and yeah if you want to take your journey further if you want to dive in deeper and you really want to live a spiritually aligned life if it's for you please do check it out and without too much further ado once again for your spirit for yourself today's podcast 
So then lies in, you know, this, this point where my deepest curiosity goes to now because I've been open to the path, I guess, is probably the, the way to describe it. Um, this relationship when we start diving into self-inquiry, um, for me at the moment, and maybe you can help me navigate some of this, um, it seems like there's a bit of a hallowed ground with this gentleman in there, and it doesn't have to be a gentleman for everybody, but for me it's a gentleman called The Witness. Um, yeah, can you speak to the witness the role of the witness is it meant to be a bit of a hallowed ground is it a stepping stone is it yeah um the relationship of witness in this path of self-inquiry so in order to inquire upon the self there needs to be a witness present maybe just framing it up for those that are tuning in um and then building a relationship with a witness obviously in some moments it's easier to invoke the witness and just have a look at what's going on but those moments are further and fewer in between at, at present. Um, but I'm imagining, and this is just my imaginations, that as I continue to crack open, uh, hopefully the witness is ever present to some degree um, and the rest is just, like you said, you can watch the thought pop up, pop down. Am I getting something right? Yeah. Or there are probably bits that are wrong. <laughs> yeah, just totally. No, you're, you're right on. Yeah, you're right on. So within the context of my work, because I speak so closely about the Kundalini awakening process, this is the paradigm and the language that I like to talk about. Um, I'll put it this way. The nervous system needs to be acclimated to be able to hold the state of witnessing at length. It's to do with the entire body. And so we may feel that this is just a psychological process or a shift in perception abiding as the witness but i want to invite your audience to to expand that idea of the witness isn't this like you know eyeball in your head somewhere it's the entire body being present with what is arising in the body thoughts arise in the body did you know this i'm sure you did i didn't know this because for some reason for a long time on my path i thought my head wasn't part of my body so, so it was like two different things. So the witness is non-local and it can be a witness to the full body, to the soles of the feet, the sensations there, the tension, everything, the breathing in the belly. It can be present for all of that, including thoughts. So thoughts are just another part of that that can be witnessed. And the Kundalini process, as it brings things up to be healed and released, old pent-up trauma and what we may call a blockage in the chakras and all that stuff starts to come up and surface. As it's released, the nervous system gets more and more uh, the ability to relax deeper and deeper into presence, which allows the witness to become uh, more sustainable uh, throughout our day and it doesn't get shaked uh, so much and we don't get drawn into the identifying with the body and the mind so much so um eventually what happens is that witness the separate the idea of separation collapses and we see that the witness and the content of what is being witnessed were never separate they were not two uh and this is of course non-duality and so this is the next place um that we may may come as we see that um the witness paradoxically and this may be difficult to articulate, I can admit, it's difficult to articulate, maybe difficult to understand. 
but a witness and a thought are not separate. They're not separate either. It's the same thing. That has to be understood and realized through practice. For some, it may happen spontaneously, but for many, it happens through practice. Abide as the witness long enough, and eventually you'll see that you were never not abiding as the witness. The witness was always there. It was just, uh, you know, you weren't aware of itself. The witness wasn't aware of itself. Awareness wasn't aware of itself. But as we move more and more ahead on the journey, awareness becomes aware of itself. Uh, The witness becomes a witness to itself. And from there, the beauty is that the whole the whole effort can be dropped because on some level you see it's like I've always been this witness. It's not that I'm trying to go from being my mind and the ego to something new. It's like I've always been this witness. And then from there it becomes more and more established as as a new way of operating. The effortlessness you're describing is, yeah, <laughs> um, truly inspiring. I've heard it um, shared a few times by a few different individuals, yourself included. Um, and, yeah, for me personally with my makeup, it just seems to be um, what draws me in <laughs> um, in a really big way. Yeah, um, just the effortlessness of being and being present to all that is. It um, sounds sublime but also at the risk of sort of touting it not to just reminding everybody that yeah cracking open is also (laughs) quite a challenging process not for all but for many um yeah and all of that to sort of say there is so much to the process um and I'm sure we've just scratched the top of the surface today Brent if it's okay I'd love to do some more podcasts with you in the future in the meantime for those that are tuning in um they want to check out your work. Um, you're obviously raising awareness um, of Kundalini. So kundaliniawareness.org is there for everybody to tune into. Um, but also they don't have to, well, plot along on the path on their own. Um, you're available. You coach people as well. So there is that intimate experience. And we talked about the importance of transmission as well. Touch wood. Um, I know you're super humble, so <laughs> it's less likely that you're going to tout or invite anybody along to that. But I think it's important for people to just know that that's available to them um, if they are on the path. Um, yeah. Does that sort of sum up where you would invite people to um, find out more about your work um, if they are feeling and digging this conversation and want to go deeper? Great. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for the support. Yes. Brentspirit.com is my website. And of course, there you'll find uh, everything that I have to offer. Um, I've got a a 70 part series dedicated to the Kundalini awakening process, uh, talking about all different types of uh, experiences, challenges. I've got interviews with other people that have, you know, uh, had some pretty interesting uh, journeys. And um, today, Amrit, our conversation has been really great. We've touched upon some parts that I haven't really got to dive in with anybody and so i'm really grateful for that um and i just want to let people know that um there's so much more to be said about this process uh so please uh check out the rest of of my channel there of course i i can uh i can also let you know about my podcast which is a spiritual awakening show which i'll have Amrit on there very soon and we're going to go very deep uh we're going to switch roles and i'm very excited about that too um and so the new uh, uh, initiative that I have is kundaliniawareness.org. And so kundaliniawareness.org was birthed out of the need for bringing attention to this 
process that we've been speaking about so far. I described this energetic shift in my mind, which made the world very spooky. There have been other shifts in my body that made all sorts of emotions come up to very, like, I mean, I cried for, for weeks and weeks. Intense stuff was coming up. And I'm not the only one. In fact, it's happening to more and more people. And it's not a problem. Yeah, nights where it's you not had to problem. sleep on a towel and stuff because of the sweats. Yeah, sorry, I'm interrupting. Yeah, sorry, please. no, no problem, no problem. Yeah, I let, yeah, I was, I was sweating all night. My blanket was. I, I just said, I'll just sleep in a blanket. Uh, sorry, I'll just sleep in a towel. Uh, so I traded in my blanket. But uh, it's happening to more and more people. And I don't say that it's happening to more, more and more people as if it's like more and more people are becoming sick. No, more and more people are awakening. But it's very difficult because we don't really have much clear material out to support each other about this. So kundaliniawareness.org has uh, uh, some definitions about this process, has a list of the signs and symptoms. But most importantly, there's a directory of licensed professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, psychotherapists, counselors, social workers that have direct experience with this process that are um, willing to support others going through this type of process as well. And not so just hand you a mental health checklist. <laughs> Right yeah, at the right. door. Of the... <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. And so this again. is where it came out of. No, that's okay. This is where it came out of. It was just because I don't want other people to be in a similar place to where I was at. Um, and so we can look and we can see, look at all of these people. They are the people that diagnose people as being mentally ill. And yet they're saying, well, I had this experience myself and I'm not mentally ill. So there's something going on here. We're not crazy hippies there's something real happening here so that's the directory so if you're a licensed professional going through this kind of stuff please uh connect and then submit an application as well there's a collection of stories of individuals sharing about their awakening journeys uh their kundalini experiences so we can put together some some well-written proofread organized collection of stories where researchers and others can can look and say wow there's so many people going through this there's something going on here. There's a pattern. And this can, of course, uh, um, shift the conversation a little bit further because so many people are just very lost, very confused. They think they're crazy. Can't talk to many others about this because you know, how, can you, how, can you, how can you really tell somebody that this explosion of a snake energy up your spine and now you're, you know, you're in this far out meditative space of consciousness it's like what is this person talking about so we're trying to just raise awareness and i'm um, trying to do it in a in a grounded rational way uh relying on on some some smart people uh to uh to you know walk with us on this journey together and so i, I really am so appreciative emirate of you having me on the show here uh not so much to raise awareness about me and my work but to raise awareness about this process about kundalini awakening so many people are experiencing it and i just hope that they can uh can, can figure out what they're going through and then be on their way and of course uh you know give their gifts in the way that uh that you're doing here so thank you touch wood brother bear thank you so much for yeah just the um there's a better word than statementship there's a better word than champion there's a better word than guide somewhere in there um and i'll get there probably when my head's hitting the pillow tonight but also yeah just the the way you're carrying um the support the light for this work and just championing it and supporting others and guiding into um into their path on their path yeah man it is such an incredible gift and a blessing to receive um yeah and for me it just speaks 
volumes upon volumes, just how much, yeah, just ease and grace there is. There's no, you know, and that was one of the things that I love the most about amongst so many things. There's just no, nothing's being shoved down anybody's throat at any point. It's <laughs> not even an invitation. It's just like, hey, here's what is. Um, come if you will. Come if you want. <laughs> it's up to you. Um, so, yeah, just the way you're offering support to people is a real blessing in my humble opinion and just raising awareness for Kundalini awakening. And even for people like me, you know, that Kundalini being of Indian heritage has so much baggage around the word Kundalini. Um and the term awakening from the West actually has less baggage. I'm open and I was more open to it, feeling into just, yeah, your work has been helped me reconcile a lot of things, opened me up to a lot of things. And it's been really, really beautiful part of my process. So I want to thank you for that. But also I could just thank you for today's conversation, brother. But, you know, it is, like you said, the hero's journey, not just cyclical, but spiral <laughs> that informs that what you've gone into to inform the conversation that we've had today. So I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge you and, and you being on this path and sharing yourself so abundantly here with us today. So thank you, thank you so thank much, you. Brother Bear, really. Mm. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Guys, links to everything that um, Brent put uh, out today in the world will be put into the show notes below for you guys to go check out. Humbly do request that, yeah, you find your way over to his YouTube channel. Um, the videos there are short, snackable. Some of them are longer in their nature if you want to dive deeper, but um, profound nonetheless. So if you are curious, I think it's a great place to start scratching that itch um, if you feel so called. All right. Thank you. Thank you. questions i was hoping to just sort of pepper your way um if that's okay uh texts you mentioned some texts and i love the way you're approaching the conversation around texts um being transmission-y um a couple of texts that you'd recommend um by any chance that i could sort of just start to pick open um yeah there's one that that comes to mind it's called um the spiritual awakening guide by mary mweller Shutan. And she writes about Kundalini along with the, the conditioned layers of reality. Um, and it's, it's a very accessible book, not, not like dense or difficult to get into. It's, she's, she writes in a very accessible way. And it's quite recent. It's maybe within the past decade or so. So it's like really fresh. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because uh, one day when I was going through this, I, I found myself, the flow took me to the bookstore and I just pull this off the shelf and I'm holding it and it's just vibrating in my hands. Um, so that was really powerful for me. Um, I know you had Matt Kahn on your show. So Matt Kahn's work as well. I, when I got his book, I couldn't even read it because it was just too much. It was just like, I just hold it. I was like, I don't even need to read this. I just hold it. So there's that. Um, um, what I find is that I, I, I feel like you're already aware of the, the books and ma and many people are, I think, when we're in a state of being receptive, we just start to feel it. And um, it's there in Tole's work too. His work was, when I opened that, it was like just blasting me open um, mm -hmm. with this this transmission of presence, you could say. Um, so Mary Weller-Shutan, on kundaliniawareness.org, I have some other books that uh, are um, speak to this, uh, this question here. Um, there's a resource list. But... Um, there's a great teacher as well on YouTube. Um, his name is David Sparrow. I think he also is very radiant as well. David Sparrow. He's not, uh, yeah, S P 
E-R-O, yeah. 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 Even on the videos, there's just this transmission happening. I, I could perceive it. Um, um, so that, that's a, it's another teacher to, to look into as well. But there's this great work by another uh, psychologist. Her name is Joan Harrigan. I'm, I'm putting together an email for you here. That I'll send this to you. Um, so she has an organization called Patanjali Kundalini Yoga Care. And um, I mean, she's like a colleague of, of Bonnie Greenwell. I mean, there's only like four or five of these people anyway. And they all like, you know, they're buddies. Oh, but yeah. Um, yeah, so she has, uh, she comes from a lineage that's about 500 years old from India. She's, she's like a woman from like Tennessee in the States. But um, her guru is like from India. And uh, her guru, they, she tells a story of like, in her previous lifetime, her and her guru knew each other. And so she went to India and they meet each other. And this guy's like, oh, hey, it's good to see you again. <laughs> and so they start working together um, and they formed this organization, Patanjali Kundalini Yoga Care. Now, she has two books out. One book has, tells a story of 20 people that went through Kundalini Awakening process to fulfillment is the word she uses, to fulfillment, to a state of oneness. And in that book, interestingly, I don't think there's even one depiction of like this explosion of energy and all this stuff. She's describing these very subtle awakening processes and she's the most uh, astute Kundalini person that I've ever come across in this space. And I don't think that there's, it's quite arguable. If you read those books, she's speaking about the energy channels and the chakras in, in ways that I've never seen anywhere else. Uh, and she's brilliant. And she's not sharing stories of these explosions of the energy and stuff. Uh, and, and so you can check out her work as well. I'll give you one caveat with her work. Not a bad thing at all. It's a good thing, I think, is that she describes not just Kundalini rising. She describes 20 different types of Kundalini rising that different individuals have. And so if you're familiar with the energy channels in the body, there's the main channel, which is, seems to be coinciding with the vagus nerve, Sushamna Nadi, up the spinal column. And then there's two that sort of uh, intertwine around, which is uh, Ida and Pingala, the other two Nadis. Ideally, stereotypically, the awakening of Kundalini moves up Sushamna and it goes to the head. But she says, well, actually... In some cases, it enters into Pingala, it enters into Na, uh, uh, Ida, it gets stuck, it gets diverted, it stops at the throat, or it. there's different ways that it unfolds, and each of those ways bring about different qualities. Um, some may have like this, they may become a genius, some may become open-hearted and very peaceful and s about service. Some people, it's just like gets into the quote-unquote wrong channel and they're just like jammed up and like they can't leave their bed and they're all messed up so she writes about these different types however she says do not try to diagnose yourself it's too tricky don't read this book and try and diagnose yourself come to us tell us about yourself we'll work with you and we'll see what type of awakening arising you have and from there attend a retreat with us and we'll support you it's just so individualized and so specific that they don't publish it openly in a book. It's the same reason that the Tibetan Buddhists are, are so secretive about this stuff. It's just so, so powerful and can be dangerous if people are doing the wrong practices and whatnot. So she says, basically, come to us and we'll help you. Now, that's great. 
The problem is their work got so popular that now their wait list is three years. And so what happens is people read this book and they say, oh, it sounds like I have a diverted rising. I need help. I'll contact them. And they're like, three years? Like, what am I going to do? So in my work, I don't know anything about diverted risings and I don't know. I just trust in the intelligence of Shakti. And I say, if you create space, it will correct itself. And I've seen this sort of thing happen. It just corrects itself. If you do self-care, you trust, you surrender, everything just works out. But for some, we are meant to go and work with somebody like her and, and get very specific instructions and guidance. And I've connected with people that have with success. And, and you know, they tell she may say, okay, you've got to do this, these types of asanas, this type of pranayama for this many cycles and, you know, do that for three days and then we'll do this and that. And, it, it, and she knows what she's doing. She's, she's incredibly skilled. But um, that's the only caveat I would say. Great material. Just don't let it give you anxiety. <laughs> yeah, dope. Thanks for, thanks for that um, qualifier. Bro, is, um, is pranayama and yoga, along with meditation, some of the key ingredients? Because I still feel very up here. Like, you know, you described head, body, separate. I don't feel separate. I've got a great awareness from the podcast that we are one system. Um, but my body does carry a lot of contractions that I ignore. Not ignore, but like don't address. It's probably the better way. I don't ignore it, but I don't address. Um, and it just comes from, yeah, two little kids, like <laughs> just running around doing things, busy life, you know, and I'm just not. Um, I'd love to be able to spend a day just foam rolling out and, you know, doing practices where I just dive into the breath and things do soften and loosen. Um, but yeah, they, they, they build back up again. Um, and so that to sort of, yeah, just open up because I guess I've been in a place recently where I've just been inquiring more and more around. Also, I'm probably just cause I'm getting older as well. Um, the body asks for different things. Um, yeah. So how, I guess the starting point, how important do you think pranayama and yoga are to being supportive on this process? Cause it seems like a lot of the people that I speak to it, it like, they lean, a lot of the people that I speak to that are in the space of awareness that I associate yourself to be carrying are often yoga teachers that are teaching pranayama. It's happened like in all four instances actually. Um, and so then I'm like, oh, but there are other people, but the people that are actually actively teaching people the process seem to be teaching them pranayama and then also giving them satsangs on this matter. There are other people that have been just living day-to-day -day lives that aren't doing it. But yeah, I was just I'm curious about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, um, if you have a practice that makes sense for you, it feels right. Your body's saying, ah, this is good. I'm getting benefits. Continue with that until that changes. Um, but if it doesn't feel right, you're like, why am I doing this? It's forceful. It's giving you like, you're feeling all like head rushes and weird stuff like that. I would say just stop. The reason that I say that is because with awakened kundalini once this begins to awaken um it actually even knows how to do pranayama it, it may just happen to you spontaneously in meditation to start breathing it just starts happening and it's exactly what you need because that's what the body's doing for itself um so that's what i would say about the pranayama specifically there's a lot of great stuff with breath work and that sort of thing i would just say um unless you are really in touch yourself it's good to work with somebody who you tune in and can say this person can support me if if the practices they're telling me to do 
bring something up really intense, they're not going to be like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with you. They're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is normal. They're, they're experienced, they're confident. Some people can do a breathwork facilitator course maybe in a weekend and then they teach it and then somebody in their group has like a huge upheaval of trauma or a huge energetic explosion and they're like, teacher, help me. And they're like, I don't know what to do with you. And that can cause a, a, a big problem for that individual who's going through that. So find like, you know, teachers with confidence, with some experience and whatnot. And um, if I were you, if you like the breathwork stuff, I, I've done this myself uh, for yoga teachers. I just grill them and just ask them, you know, do you know about Kundalini? Do you know about this? Do you know about that? And they'll say yes or no. And then I don't judge them for it. I just say, okay, I, I know what their scope is. So I, I know what I'm getting myself into here. And then I just tune in and see, does it feel right? Or is it something that um, I should, you know, maybe just move on from? Uh, when it comes to yoga, generally speaking, from what I found, yoga is, is pretty safe to get in the body. It's not going to like stir up all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, I, I think it's useful uh, and effective for addressing, like you said, the contractions in the body and the muscles and whatnot. Very, very effective. Um, but even for me, it wasn't pivotal for me on my journey yoga like an asana no practice okay yeah, yeah. I, I've, I mean like I, I did a yoga teacher training after I had this kundalini awakening actually just to make sense of what the yoga people were talking about and to be honest what I found was that they're not even talking about this they're just talking about exercising but um yeah so one thing I would say is that when when you practice meditation for me my meditations now are all about becoming aware of anything tension in my body and where I'm holding it and just relaxing it deeper and then scanning it and going deeper and releasing it and just keep body scanning and going deeper and just, oh, there's a little tension in my leg. Just release it and release it and release it. And that actually is very effective for, for this type of work. That's what I've found um, is training the body to relax, just training it to be relaxed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. That gives me, that makes me exactly where I'm at, brother. Thank you so much for that. Great, great. Because um, oh, even welcome. when you when you brought up the um the nervous system in the podcast, I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's such a profound point. Um, because recently I've even just been noticing the inspired evolution could just be the inspired nervous system or inspired vagus nerve pod <laughs> evolution. Like it's yeah. just, it seems to be at the heart of so much of our internal processes, especially with like just how neural and cerebral the world is. It's just like, just, just come back, <laughs> just come back into the body, bro. And it's just like, yeah, the nervous system is like just this, it's like the mod, like just learning to modulate back in, um, to a healthy state. Um, yeah, it seems to be, I don't want to say a silver bullet, but actually, yeah, I feel like at the moment it is a bit of a silver bullet for just what's going on around us. Um, for sure. I, yeah, I mean, it, I and it coincides yeah, it, it coincides with the Sushumna Nadi. Right? It's the same. The vagus nerve is. It, it can be mapped right onto the uh, the Sushumna, and so th I mean that's fascinating to me. Um, you know. Yeah, I um, yeah, I love your awareness <laughs> of just how it's all interwoven, interconnected, and just the softening and yeah, I think, and at the risk of putting positions like this, but I think it sounds, it's interesting because when I'm speaking to someone like yourself top down, they're always espousing, just stop pushing and trying so hard. 
<laughs> from the bottom up, it's like, yeah, but, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's not lost on me. It's like, um, one of my dearest friends who's, you know, working through a process on herself and, you know, she's guiding me a little bit, um, more than a little bit, I should say. Um, she's in a particular space where she's cracked open and we're talking a lot. And the minute I'm speaking to her, I can notice it, it's holding a lot of space for me to witness how much ambition I have and how much my ambition is, it's a beautiful thing in many ways, but at the same time, it's also causing contraction. Yeah. Um, and then also recognizing that, okay, but it's woven so deeply into my personality that even as she's talking to me, similar to what we're discussing in the podcast, her state is like an ambitious place for me to get to. And then like, I'm trying to use ambition to get to the place. And this is where I was talking before about the mind, using the mind to get to where it's going to. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 No, this is very yeah. common, right? It's very common, especially for, for those with a masculine disposition, right? It's ambition. Let's, let's go get it. And, um, I, I think uh, practicing uh, embodying the feminine within ourselves, I think that's it's effective as well. Um, because like some of the most important things, like I was saying, they don't require our ambition. You know, digesting food is that's a feminine process. It's totally passive. And so there's great power there as well. And um, there's a doctor, Dr. Kavita Chinayan. Maybe we'd like to get her on the podcast. I don't know much about her, actually. Um, but she's got a book called Shakti Rising. I haven't read it, so I, I really don't know much about her at all. But I read very briefly. She's got a, a conversation on Buddha at the gas pump. She said, Kundalini isn't necessarily the explosion. It's actually the force that uh, it becomes awakened the moment you begin seeking. That's what's drawing you to seeking. And I thought, oh, okay, that's an interesting way to put it. It's so much more subtle than that. The moment you become a seeker, it's actually because your kundalini has begun to be awakened. So something to think about as well. So many different ways that's of looking really at beautiful. this. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And so we will um, get you on my show. We can discuss it more, but just generally speaking, is there anything that you, you're passionate about speaking about? Um, yeah, it's it's, just, it's a spiritual awakening show, so <laughs> pretty much anything goes, really. Yeah, so... Um, I'll share with you what my awareness is, and it might be a bit too crude. Yeah, I'm going to explain it this way. So the way I've been trained or learned, um, we've got the four levels of consciousness. Life is happening to me, and I'm a victim, or life is happening by me, and I call that person the achiever, level two. Or life is happening for me, which is level three consciousness, the flower, the surrenderer. And then level four, life is happening as me and we are one unity consciousness. So all of that to say, I perceive your body of work being between level three and four, right? Cracking people from I'm surrendering and then how do I just, I am it, you know? Um, my body of work actually lives between level two and three at the moment. People have been achieving for a long time and yeah. they're finding that meaningless. And then they go, mm. shit, how do I surrender? You know, how do I yeah. find my purpose? What is my purpose? And that sort of stuff. So oftentimes when I'm on a podcast, the title of the podcast is called Live Your Purpose. I mean, I'm an engineer by qualification. So going, hey, what are your core values, like your deepest core values? And those are the sort of the avatar that you've assumed, the personality that you've got, the ego that you've got. 
it finds the greatest um, sort of satisfaction on a deeper level fulfillment-wise and it is connected somewhat to your purpose of being here if you can set like line things up in alignment to your values because at the moment you're just operating off of everybody else's fucking values and it's driving you mad right so yeah you know, yeah it's not hey let go of everything like you know where we're kind of out with your conversations it's like okay before we get there let's stack things up that actually align to you and your personality and allow you know the way i describe it is your values are your core values are the pillars of the temple that is the personality that is you and the life force energy flies through that so what are those pillars let's get clear on that and then let's craft things. So for me, it's connection, contribution, celebration. And in podcasts, I get to connect, contribute, celebrate. As a coach, I get to connect, contribute, celebrate. As a public speaker, I get to connect, contribute, celebrate. So at least my ego, my personality, and maybe you can argue that it's more of a trap in this conversation, but at least it feels gratified that at least the time I'm spending here on earth isn't just spent doing what everybody else wants me to do and it, it feels somewhat fulfilled. And that's the live your purpose, live spiritually aligned conversation um that i love having um okay and in around there Good. i sort of poke people to a sort of lead magnet which is like just at least fucking discover your values please like takes you 20 right. minutes um okay yeah. this is brilliant and and very pertinent for my audience because what happens to people is they go through this very far out awakening and they're like i don't know what to do now <laughs> it's it's probably top three challenges they're just like, I, I'm different and my job doesn't work for me anymore or I had to leave because I was having such an intense awakening process and now I feel ready to go in the world, but it's like, I don't know what to do. And what I often tell them, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I often tell them, few of us are meant to maybe be an author about spirituality and write a book or be a YouTuber. Many of us, it's like you live your purpose in so many ways, it doesn't have to just be a spiritual character, right? Um, and so uh, that's about the extent of what I can share with them. And then, and then I do share, I'm like, you know, you try different things, you follow the flow, it takes a life of its own, it sort of re the path re reveals itself. But for me, I can't speak too much to those topics, because I don't have a family. And this happened to me very young, very, very young. Yeah. So I never established any career or direction i've just always known that i'd be moving and doing this stuff i was a photographer which um i guess i still am but photography was like my little career while i sort of while this work began to solidify but Did i was have, never sorry, i wanted to ask you on this podcast i hate to interrupt because it's an no important problem. conversation we're having and you know you're basically getting to a point where it's like yeah you can help some of my people and that's a good point but nonetheless just a sec sorry yeah yeah <laughs> um and i do want to help them but um yeah, yeah. adopting the identity of a spiritual teacher at a young age bro <laughs> yeah did you have any yeah. hang-ups around that man like what the fuck around the time that this energetic explosion sort of took place in my head and i you know experience of no self i couldn't see this this ego this this mind was gone the sense of brent i began an anonymous tumblr blog online um where i was just writing about what i was experiencing and words were flowing through me in a sort of interesting way uh it was like i was channeling you could say it was like automatic writing i was just writing about the state of consciousness that i was in and uh it, it was 
not this type of stuff you hear from me today. It was very much in alignment with what you may find with uh, people that are into non-duality, neo-advaita, uh, talking about awareness is all there is, emptiness is all there is, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, around that blog, um, people started to pay attention, I guess. And then people started to ask me questions. Hey, can you elaborate on this point? Or, or here's where I'm stuck. Can you, what can you say? And so I started to respond to these questions. And from there, the questions just were just rolling in, rolling in. And what I found was that I would just have to sit down, look at the question, and just start typing, and something would come through. Sometimes it would be long. Sometimes it would be a one sentence. And it just started happening like that. And then at some point, somebody was like, hey, can I meet with you on Skype? Back then it was Skype, you know, not Zoom or, or Riverside. The Skype. So somebody's like, hey, can I meet with you on Skype? Uh, I can give you a donation. I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? So I talked to this person on Skype about the state of you know, awakening that I was at at that time. And uh, you know, they sent me some money and I was like, what the hell? And then someone else asked and I thought, okay, maybe I'll you know, put a little page here if you want to meet with me. This is, you know, I asked for a little bit of money and even today, at this point, I say, if you can't afford it, please let me know. I'm happy to meet with you. We can work something out. Um, and so like that, I started looking around and saying, I'm doing what all of these people that were writing the books that I was reading were doing. I'm a spiritual teacher. It's like, okay, this is strange, but I don't know what else to call myself. I'm offering spiritual teachings. So that's where this idea of like, being so young and saying I'm a spiritual teacher came from. It started there. Um, then later on, I just, I was able to discern between, thanks to Ram Das, I was able to discern between this idea of guru and spiritual teacher. So Ram Das says, I'm a teacher. My guru is a guru. Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji, he's a guru. And there's a difference. And he says the difference is the teachers, like, you know, just sh sharing what they can from where they're at. The guru they're the, they're the full thing, the full complete package. And just them existing is a teaching. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm not a guru and I'm, I'm really not a guru. I'm a teacher because I'm just sharing what I can with other people. And sometimes I connect with people who are perhaps even more advanced than I am on the journey. It's just that maybe I have something uh, to articulate in a way that you know they haven't heard before or can speak to them. And that's about it. So um, that's how I sort of came about in this role of spiritual teacher. Um, it also is effective for me in establishing a little bit of uh, uh, boundaries um, within this work. For a short period, I was trying to just say, hey, we're, we're, I'm just, we can be friends. And because I didn't want to say I'm a teacher and you're a student. So I was saying, you know, we can just be friends. And then what was happening was people were like, hey, you know, can we talk on the phone? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of busy. And they're like, all right. And then all these people were trying to just, I guess, we take friends. up my time. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I was like, okay, I can't be friends with these people that honestly, they're on the internet and that I, I don't know. So I had to then, you know, reestablish and say, I'm a teacher. These are my boundaries. If you would like to have a conversation with me about what you're going through, um, I, I just ask that, um, you know, you, you, you go through the, the channel that I've created, which is, you know, my meetings with people and whatnot. Um, and so, uh, 
that established uh, some some boundaries around that. I would love to be friends with everybody, and it's it's great when we can do that. But as this work grows, I think boundaries they're necessary and important. I'm sure you can relate with your coaching as well. I'm sure you've got so much to share with your close circle. And you may come across people that are so awesome and you're like, man, we could really hit it off. But this is a professional exchange as well. It's a service. And that's just the way our society operates, right? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I do run the risk sometimes of becoming an anti-capitalist. <laughs> um, and just how much time is coupled with money. <laughs> you know, I've got some stuff around there, which I have cleared out. But then also I do remember affectionately when I was a vigilante. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was a punk. I was uh yeah. I played in a, a punk band and our thing was we'll do it all ourselves. We recorded the music ourselves, put the show on in my my bandmate's house, um, you know, printed the CD, did everything ourselves because we just wanted nothing to do with the system. But of course, uh you look around at uh the punks now and eventually they go grow up, get a job and it's just the way the word the system works so that's how we have to operate and even the spiritual teachings and they operate in the same sort of system and that's just how it is yeah 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 thank you for sharing that bro i think it's yeah, no um, problem man i love how organic the process was for you um and i think you know i can totally relate with the inspired evolution it's been similar um yeah the first time i got asked to coach i'd like it was just a guest in the like someone on the podcast not a guest on the show, but one of the audience members was like, who you coach me? And I was like, coach you? What? I just have these conversations you're having in the podcast, have them with me. And I was like, oh, I could do that, you know, and then started doing that. And then, you know, one of my first podcast coaches, oh, sorry, one of my first coaches became the person that secured my first public speaking engagement for me. And then it just sort of all just tumbled out of there. And I've just been going along with it ever since. And it's, it actually feels kind of nice doing things that way, I think. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's a bit messy at times because you're sort of wading into uncharted waters and you're kind of like, Oh, you know, trying to sift things out, but it also is, um, it's not super stretchy, you know, it's not very, um, yeah, you know, we talked about ambition and it doesn't have to be so, uh, so fiery to get where you're going. Um, it's, right. yeah, it's, it's a lot of surrender in the process as well, which is actually kind of beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And this is a conversation that I would love to to have with you on, on our podcast, uh, the Spiritual Awakening Show, um, because I think it's uh, it's this type of uh, coaching that you're offering. Uh, the message about coming into alignment with your purpose is very applicable to those on the path. So I look forward to that conversation, too. Yeah, dope. Thanks, man. And if there's any, yeah, if there's anything I can do to support people on that path, that's my whole you know, purpose. So yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to ask me that question, see me, witness me and see me on my path and see where it all fits in for you as well. So seems like there's a lot of yummy bits to collab on <laughs> in this space. And so I just, um, just anchor that prayer there and yeah, allow you to flow back into your day or flow back into mine. Um, but we'll continue to stay for sure and in touch for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah man. Thank yeah. you so much for, yeah. for your thank, generosity thank you. today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, 
please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, Wisdom from the Top, I talk with CEOs and business leaders about the toughest challenges of their careers. There's lots of ways to measure success. Sometimes a company has to bet against itself. We wanted to set ourselves apart by having a point of view. Businesses really impact people's lives in pretty fundamental ways. On Wisdom from the Top, some of the greatest business leaders of our time share their intimate stories of leadership, innovation, and transformation. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Check out Wisdom from the Top only on Luminary. Now, back to your show. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.